Blog Talk Radio. On our ninth episode of the Ivy, we'll be discussing Cubs news and how their first nine spring training games have went so far, as well as our first segment of Know Your Enemy featuring the Washington Nationals. We will also have our second consecutive week of Cub of Yesteryear, as we'll be talking about Derek Lee. We talk about it all on our ninth episode of the Ivy. Bipolar with the check. I should put some crazy around my neck. Go crazy with your Welcome to the ninth episode of the Ivy. As myself, Thomas, and my partner Max will be here with you for the next 60 minutes to dive into everything Cubs related. If you like the Cubs, you've come to the right place, and we're extremely grateful that you took some time out of your Sunday afternoon to join us here. Max, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. All right, well, today we'll be talking about some Cubs updates, including a dive into the Cubs' first full week of spring training games, and then we'll discuss the Washington Nationals as part of our own Know Your Enemy segment. We'll wrap it up with our second edition of Cub of Yesteryear, where I'll be highlighting Derek Lee. And lastly, make sure to call into the show by calling the number 845-277-9345. That's 845-277-9345 to join us and ask a question or comment on anything Cubs-related. And also, if you want to check out some Cubs tickets for either upcoming training games or Wrigley Field opening day, check out the Cub Yard and use promo code BPN10, that's BPN10, for 10% off any tickets for every event. So, Max, today for our first segment here, for the next five minutes, we're going to go over some weekly awards. Um, and before we do that, I do want to mention a little bit of Cubs news. Uh, Wilson Contreras uh, and Albert Amora and also Ian Happ signed pre-arbitration deals. Uh, Contreras was for $684,000, Amora for $615,500, and Ian Happ for $603,500. Um, but other than that, Max, we're going to jump right into our Rookie of the Week, and I'll let you kick it off and go ahead. So um, our Rookie of the Week was Trent Giambroni. Um, he had, he's had two homers now this spring. His second one was yesterday in the 7-4 loss to Milwaukee. Um, he's 7-15, 7 for 15 in the spring so far um, with two homers and three RBI, like I've mentioned. Yeah, and I really like what I've seen out of him. Uh, I like the next guy I would be talking about. It seems like he's just hitting the ball hard. He seems to be comfortable. Uh, it's pretty impressive what he's been able to do. Uh, but as for our next award, uh, it's MVP and I have to give it to Mark Vigunas. Uh He's 6 for 17 this spring. Uh, he had four runs scored, and like I said with uh, Jimbroni, he's really hitting the ball hard. And he also, like uh, Jimbroni, has two home runs, but he also has nine RBIs. And uh, when you see nine RBIs off of six hits, you know, that's extremely impressive. And he's showing that he can knock in runs when the pressure's on. And I know you probably said the same thing happened to you, Max, but uh, I've had a lot of people ask me, on Instagram is that Gunas can make the roster, and uh, I'll let you answer that first, and then I'll give my opinion on it. What do you think about Zagunas and if he can make the roster? Um, I, I definitely see Zagunas. Um, we've seen him. We've seen him in past years, um, but I don't see really a place for him on the roster, even with how well he has been hitting the ball um, in spring training. Um, I definitely think he could be up in September or. Um, if we see an injury, but really at the major league level, we haven't seen him do much. Um, we've seen him get on on base um, a few times, 
But if he's putting up numbers like this, we could see him a little earlier in the season if there um, is possibly an injury in the outfield, um, even though we already have a lot of outfield depth. Um, but I guess we'll see him sometime within the season. Yeah, as for me, I think our roster is pretty much finalized. Um, but I would not at all, like you said, be surprised if he came up for an injury or something like that. Um, but then as for our final uh, award for this week is Pitcher of the Week, and we actually have a few nominees for this one. Uh, I would like to give it to Tyler Chatwood, though, uh, because we'll mention it later, uh, but he had three scoreless innings against the Diamondbacks on Friday in what was the Cubs' best spring training game so far in a 10-2 victory. Uh, he earned the hold. He had three strikeouts. He looked comfortable, uh, and he only allowed three hits. So I'd have it give it to him, but – um, I know there's also a couple other guys. I'll let you mention them, and then we'll get into the mailbag. Yeah, so a few other guys that have looked good. Um, Quintana looks good in his first game with two innings pitched and no runs allowed. Um, another guy that I'm really excited to see this season, um, rookie Dakota Meeks with two innings pitched and no runs allowed in two in- appearances. Um, that's one guy that at the Cubs convention, um, um, the scouting and player development, um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he was talking about Meeks and um, how he expects him to be like a, a guy like Carl Edwards um, up in the majors. Um, he'd, he'd come up and make an, an almost um, immediate impact. Um, obviously, really our team isn't great at developing pitchers, and I think that'd be a big one um, if he could develop. And finally, our last guy is Rowan Wick. Um, obviously not a very big name. Um, I heard his name a few times around at the convention. Um, he's had three innings of, with no runs allowed and three Ks in three appearances. Yeah, definitely. I really liked what I saw, especially on Rowan Wick, uh, three innings of no run ball. Um, but other than that, I also think Dakota Meeks, obviously, like you said, you saw the Cubs convention. Um, but then we're going to get into, I think, Mailbag and uh, Benson. Yeah, so our uh, first question today is from Nathan. He wants to know who the better Cub is, Kyle Schwarber or Ian Happ? Go ahead, Max. Um, I'm going to go with Kyle Schwarber. Um, obviously, I think both of them have really high ceilings, and we're still waiting for their breakout years. Um, I, I think both of them are destined for it, but really I think Schwarber – um, is the better player. Obviously, he has. Um, he's had he's had um, a nice glove in the outfield the past few years, and he's shown a lot of power at the plate. Um, same with Hap. Um, obviously, his glove hasn't been as good as Elmore's, which leads him to still um, split time with him in center. Um, but at this point, I'd take Schwarber over Hap. For me, it's Schwarber. Uh, Schwarber's been my guy. I, I've always loved Schwarber and. For me, I know that both players aren't really necessarily consistent, but I think Schwarber's power is more consistent than anything else Hap can bring offensively that's anywhere near consistent. All right, that's the next question. All right, next question is from MLB Hotspot. What is your guys' honest opinion on Bryce Harper? <laughs> uh, for me, I would say that uh, – like, he did the right thing in that uh, I think it was smart of him to go somewhere longer, but I feel like he might have, like, 
kind of tricked himself because after watching the interview, and I think you'll agree, Max, I saw it on your story, like, he just kind of seemed off. And, like, that's not promising to anyone that's a Phillies fan. So there's a, there's a little bit of tension there. It's a little odd. Uh, I know he had a few slip-ups in the interview. He said, like, he wanted to bring a championship back to D.C. I get there's nerves and stuff like that, but um, I don't know. He's a little bit of a tool, in my opinion. I would love to have him, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, that's my opinion on him. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, I was watching the interview yesterday, and he definitely – he definitely looked a little off. Um, he was mostly like staring down at the table the whole time, wasn't really looking into the crowd um, until yeah. like he was asked a question and then his answer, he was like talking down. So I found it really weird. Um, I, I think he, he did a great job himself, him and Boris, um, getting him the 13 years. Um, and it was yeah. it was pretty surprising to me too um, that it was reported that he didn't want any opt-outs in his deal. Um, and yesterday in his interview he had said um he didn't because he wanted to it was somewhat along the lines of like building a legacy somewhere um well and the other thing too sorry but the other thing is that like if he because he could have taken the four year for 45 million a year with the dodgers but then like once you make that kind of deal then the rest of his career is just like these four-year deals where he might not be able to you know like create something that he wants to right yeah which makes sense so I think what he did on his part was really smart. Um, I couldn't say the same for the Phillies, but, I mean, they got their guy after it all, so. Yep. All right, next question, Vincent. Our next question question is from Cub Station. How much do you think Mike Trout's contract will be if he hits free agency? Thomas, I'll let you um, lead this one off. Yeah, so I would probably – so Bryce got – okay, so Manny Machado – was 30 a year, right? And yes. Bryce Harper got 25, I believe, but it, obviously it was a longer period of time. Uh, I would assume Trout would get a deal similar to Bryce. Uh, I think the Angels will pursue him. They're going to try to lock him up, be an angel forever. So I would say uh, $30 million a year uh, for 12 years. Wow. So 12, 360. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna go. I think he. I think um, the but, Angels yeah, are that's, gonna. That's, that's if the Angels keep him, because if, no other team will like be able to show that. You know what I mean? Like it's only yeah, the Angels yeah, yeah. Keep him, I think. Right. Okay. So I think if the Angels keep him, um, it'll probably be more upwards towards 400, not 400. If they, I think it'll be like just over 30 million a year. I think it'll be. Um, around 12 years for 380 million. But if he does enter free agency, and I think he will, um, I think he'll get probably 425. Um, I think that's yeah, really cool, but we'll see. He'll get over 400 if he goes free agency. Yeah. All right, and then we're gonna do one more question, Benson, and then we'll move on. Our last question is from Brock. How do you think the Cubs starting lineup is going to shake out in 2019? Go ahead, Max. I'll let you start. Um, I really like our rotation. Um, as it is, I think it's just a matter of health. Um, I think we really need to um be able to stay healthy. Uh, obviously last season, um, Darvish wasn't healthy. Um, but Lester, um, he was good, but obviously there were more. Um, there were definitely bad spots too. Um, I I think we see a decline from him and Hamels both this season. 
Um, so I think we're really going to have to see um, Quintana, Darvish, and Hendricks step it up next season. But going into the season, I really like it. Yeah, and I think uh, as for like our actual lineup too, uh, I think we'll see Zobris begin the year at leadoff. Um, and then kind of more the same as last year, Bryant, followed by Bryant Rizzo and then probably Contreras and then Schwarber. Some sort of uh, something like that is what I think our lineup will shake out as. Uh, but now we're going to go to an ad, and then after that we're going to get into trending news. In this week's episode of the Marlins Catch, we will be joined by Marlins catcher B.J. Lopez. We will also be talking about the second week of spring training and how it went and the progress of all the players in spring. You don't want to miss this on the Marlins Catch tomorrow night at 7.30 p.m. A lot to look forward to. All right, welcome back into the ninth episode of the Ivy. Just a reminder, if you want to call out of the show, you can use the number 845-277-9345. You can join us, ask a question, or comment on anything Cubs-related. Uh, but other than that, let's get into our first real topic today. And basically, I think that the best way to do this, Max, is uh, just I think we'll go game by game. And I think the best way is probably to have one of us just do, like we just switch off games. Does that make sense? Yep. All right. And if we, if you, if the other person has anything to chime in about the game, just go ahead. Uh, but okay. I'll start us off uh, February 25th, last Monday. Uh, the Cubs had a split squad matchup. Uh, game number one was the Dodgers against the Cubs. Uh, the Dodgers did beat the Cubs 11-2. to uh, Christian Bergman started for the Cubs. He wasn't good at all. He gave up three earned runs to begin the game. And uh, another notable uh, performance was Rob Zestrisny. Uh He struggled out of the pen as well as he gave up three hits and an earned run. Uh, as we mentioned before, rookie sensation, I guess you could say, uh, Trent GM Baroni hit his first home run in the third inning, which was a solo shot. And then uh, the only other Cubs to run was from Jose Cardona, uh, RBI single to end the scoring. But other than that, there really wasn't a whole lot here. The bullpen really wasn't good at all. And the Cubs lost 11-2. I'll let you go into the next game. Yeah, so um, the second game uh, was also that same Monday. As you said, it was a split squad. Um, the Cubs won that game, beating the Padres 6-4. to um, Lester looked great through two innings, uh, struck out three guys, allowed no runs, um, a good game from him. Um, K- Kinsler, Dunsing, and Randy Rosario also had good days out of the pen. Um, um, Brandon Kinsler and um, uh, Brian Dunsing have also been really good so far this spring. Um, just something to watch out for. Um, I-, I mean, if they can... Going into the season, it's going to be interesting to see um, how the bullpen shakes out um, because you can't you can't really fit everyone that we potentially make it. But to finish on um, last Monday, Wilson Contreras also hit a three-run homer in the fourth, and Jared Young hit a two-run homer in the seventh. Um, so overall, a pretty good game. Obviously, um, it was good to see Lester do good, and like I said, Kinsler as well. Yeah, definitely. So then. The Cubs uh, then faced the Diamondbacks on last Tuesday, and the D-backs beat the Cubs 5-4. to four. Uh, We saw Yu Darvish's first action uh, last Tuesday in which he threw two innings. Uh, he did give up one earned run, and he wasn't great because of the four-walked batters, uh, but I do know that today was a little bit of 
Murray. I know we'll talk about that later as the Cubs lead actually 9-0 to zero right now in the top of the third against the White Sox. But uh, Rowan Wick also had a scoreless inning out of the pen against the D-backs last Tuesday. I know we touched on him earlier. And the Cubs actually led 4-0 to zero after a four-run first inning, thanks in part to uh, Anthony Rizzo, RBI single, uh, fielder's choice, and also an Addison Russell sacrifice fly. But uh, Arizona answered with five runs in the second. Uh, I know you Darvish was responsible for one. Uh, and also Efros, uh, he was god awful. And the Cubs gave up five runs, and no one else scored past the second inning. So the Cubs lost that one five to four. Uh, and then after that, I'll let you get into uh, Wednesday's game with the Rangers. Yeah. So our next game, um, the Cubs beat the Rangers nine to five. Um, Cole Re- Cole Hamill started this game against his former team. Um, he gave up two hits in two innings pitched. Um, Maples and once again Dakota Meeks were both good out of the pen, um, and I think if they can both stick up, um, I think they could be good out of the pen, and we could see them sometime in September. Um, Cubs scored four runs in the first um, as Christian Adams and Mark Desun, sorry Mark Zagunis, um, they both had RBI singles, and then Philip Evans hit a two-run double. Um, Cubs made it six to nothing after a Wilson Contreras two run homer. Um, Mark Sagunas, who is our MVP so far, homered later in that game, um, bringing the score up to eight to one. Um, only bad thing coming out of that game was Oscar De La Cruz. Um, he was not good out of the pen, gave up two earned runs, three runs total, in one and one third innings. Yeah, that was definitely one of our better games. It was cool. Uh, you know, Coleham was going up against his former team. I don't know. Do you know if we play the Rangers this year? They're like, where are we? Yeah, we do. Here? Yeah, that's we play it's them opening, opening day. day. Yep. It's opening day in yep. Texas. That's right. Yep. So, is that a three-game series? Uh yes, I believe it is. Okay, so I, maybe Cole. Yeah, Cole should be pitching then uh, in yeah. Texas. That'll be cool to start the year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, after that, uh, I believe it was Thursday. Then uh, the Cubs lost to Oakland. Uh, it was by far the uh, Cubs' worst game of spring so far. They lost 10-3. to uh, The one good thing was Kyle Hendricks. Uh, he started. The game was nice with two innings, two hits, no runs. Much of the same from Hendricks. Cool, calm, and collected on the mound. Uh, but Jen Hill Stang really struggled, uh, giving up six runs. Uh, four, were those, four of those were earned runs in just two-thirds of an inning, and he also walked two batters, so that was definitely a forgettable performance. And uh, Randy Rosario... Uh, surprisingly struggled a little bit, uh, just one inning, but he gave up three hits and two earned. Not exactly sure how the two earned came. It could have been like a home run, so uh, not too big of a deal, uh, which is maybe one one bad pitch. But the Cubs actually led two to one uh, in this game after a two-run single by Ryan Court in the fifth inning, but uh, the Oakland Athletics just poured it on in those middle innings. And then lastly, Christian Adamas hit an RBI single late in the game in the eighth uh, for the final score of 10 to 3. Yeah, so now um we'll move on to um just yesterday, March 2nd, um the Brewers beat the Cubs 7 to 4. Um John Lester March. started his yeah, March 1st, the D-backs game. Oh, my bad, my bad. Okay, so 2 days ago then. Um Cubs yes. beat the Diamondbacks 10 to 2. Um I would say um, our best game of the spring so far. Quintana went two innings, um, no runs allowed. Um, I really liked what we've seen from our starting rotation so far. 
Um, obviously, they haven't went um, too far um, into the game, but I really like what I've seen. Um, and especially Chatwood in this game, too. Like you mentioned earlier, um, he went three innings, um, three hits and three batters allowed, um, or three struck out three batters. Sorry about that. Um, but a big note, too, was he didn't walk anybody. Um, so, I mean, if we can – if he finishes off this spring good – um, I, I guess we wouldn't see him in the rotation unless Joe decides to go with his six-man rotation. Um, but maybe that opens a spot to trade him to somewhere. Um, obviously, that's um, a different conversation for a different time, but we'll see how he finishes off the spring. Um, C.J. Edwards also had a scoreless inning. Um, good to see. Schwarber had an RBI single in the first, making it one nothing. Mark Zagunas also had a three-run homer in the fourth to make it 4-0. to zero. Um, Caratini had an RBI double and Jared Young ha- hit a three run homer in the seventh to cap off a five run inning. Um, Trent Giambroni, um, then had an RBI double to make it a ton, nothing game. Um, but then in the bottom of the ninth, um, the Diamondbacks put up two runs off of Rob Scahill. Um, overall a great game. Uh, that was probably one of the best, that was the best game so far this spring. Um, all good notes. So um, hopefully we see more games like that. Yeah, I'm going to stop us here just for a little bit and talk about what do you think the like the chances are um, of that six-man rotation? Because, you know, Tyler Chatwood, I believe there's a video or something like that where he said he wants to be a starter. Or he sees himself as a starter. I forget the exact quote. Um, but, like, when you have a guy like that that is that confident for whatever reason and – you know, now he's showing that, like, he can, okay, yeah, he can hold, you know, five to six innings possibly, uh, hold a team to two or three runs. You know, what do you what do you think the the chances of a six-man rotation are? Do you think Joe would experiment with that? As for me, I don't I don't really think it's realistic. Um, and I think you kind of hinted towards that, but I just want to get, like, your final take on that. Um, for me, I think we've seen Joe do a lot of things um, in the past – uh, what has it been four four years with the Cubs? Um, he's obviously done things that are controversial, um, and really at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if he were to do a six man rotation. Um, but the likelihood of it, I'd say, it isn't very likely unless Tyler Chatwood really um, starts to show like that he is worthy of starting, um, and that's like to the point of where he starts his next few spring training games are only one to two walks. And um, by the end of spring training, I guess he, um, if he were to start and if Joe um, wanted to experience with that, um, then I'd guess Joe would put him out for a game. And if he has um, only one to two walks in five innings, six innings, something like that, um, I think that'd be a really big selling point to Joe um, and for Chatwood too, um, whether that's, Theo making a few calls and possibly trading him, or if that's, um, I mean, having a six starter. Um, really, I don't see it all that likely, but it could definitely happen um, depending on how Chatwood finishes off the spring. Yeah, and like, it's almost like you could think that it's a case of like the Matt Harvey thing where, you know, he went to. Uh, went to Cincinnati, right? And he played. He played so well, and then they were going to deal him, but they and they eventually didn't. But I'm saying it could follow the tracks of something like that, where 
you know, a guy who's like, you know, no one wants, no one wants to touch him with a ten foot pole, let alone pay him. Uh, and then all of a sudden he becomes like this hot commodity, commodity at the end of the year. It's interesting. And the other reason, though, I I think that Joe wouldn't do it is that it's not only just how Chatwood feels about it, but it also affects all those other guys. You know, John Lester isn't pitching. You know, he's been, he's not pitching on a six man rotation. You know, he's never done that. Why would why would we adjust that? You know, like Kyle Hendricks, all these guys, Cole Hamels. It affects them, too, because, yeah, they get the extra day of rest, but some of those guys don't like that. And you see that happen in the playoffs because uh, some guys may get, like, an extra day or two. And you see it in almost any sport. You see teams that get bye weeks and stuff like that. Uh, and it, it ends up messing up with their timing because it's such a long season and they get in such a groove. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's – I just think it's a little bit unrealistic um, unless something really – big happens or changes within the team. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like someone would have to really struggle that we'd need help at the rotation. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to get into now yesterday's game uh, against the Brewers. The Cubs lost 7-4. to four. Uh, John Lester we saw in his second action this spring. Uh, it wasn't as good as his first one, but I alluded to this before that sometimes – uh, stat lines with, you know, two or three innings pitched in spring training with two or three errand runs look bad, uh, but it could have just been one one pitch, and that was the case yesterday uh, as Travis Shaw hit a two-run homer. I was actually watching it live. Um, I, I literally turned it on uh, a couple pitches before the uh, home run as Travis Shaw was up, and it was just honestly cranked uh, to opposite field in the first inning. Uh, so John finished the big lefty with three innings, uh, so it's two-run runs because of the two-run homer, uh, three hits, a walk, and three strikeouts. But I thought it was uh, a little interesting. I thought he wouldn't go three, but I guess it is his second action in the spring, so that's how they progressed him along. Uh, and then also uh, Steve Cusack and Rowan Wick had scoreless innings out of the bullpen. Uh, and like we've been saying, uh, Mark Sagunis, another RBI double, followed by an Albert Amora RBI single, which tied the game at two in the fifth inning. Uh, the Cubs did fight back with uh, Adamas, sack fly in the sixth, and a Giambroni solo home run to make it a 5-4 game, but the Brewers did pull away. Uh, so, in the end, the Cubs did lose 7-4. to four. And now to, I want to get into today, Max. We both can touch on it, but I'll let you open it up. Uh, the Cubs playing the White Sox at Sloan Park. Yeah, so the Cubs are currently up 9-0. to um, with runners on first and second, with one out in the bottom of the third. Um, Yu Darvish went two innings. Um, he was pulled for Luis Luigo, Lugo, I believe. Um, Darvish only walked one guy, struck out three. Um, and another big note, he reached 97 miles an hour. Um, definitely something good to see after last season and his injury. Um, I mean, if he can stay healthy, I really think that's to our team, and that's like – that's that's one of the biggest things that is gonna make make or break this season really. So um, I'll touch on Darvish's first inning and second inning a little bit. So in his first inning, he threw 13 pitches, eight strikes, um, two strikeouts, one one swinging and one looking. Um, he walked one guy and had one fly out, and he hit 96 miles an hour in that inning. Um, his second inning. Um, nine strikes in 14 pitches, one strikeout, one flyout, and one ground out. Um, he also um, got Eloy Jimenez to ground out 
on an 0-1 pitch for a 5-3 put out um, in the second. Um, Darvish also had four swing and misses through two innings. Um, definitely good notes there. Um, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing you can say other than to be happy for the guy. I mean, if he can stay healthy, um, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, that's a huge selling point to our team. Yeah, definitely. And when you look at the offense, too, I know that we had the David Bodie scare on February 24th. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Max, this is his first game back. Not positive, though. I'm, I'm almost positive, though, that this is his first game back. And in the no, first it's not. Is it not? It's not. Nope. How, he, how many has he played? This is his second game back, I want to okay. say. Okay. So, But, yeah, somewhere had, on uh, there. Yeah, so the Cubs scored in the first off of a uh, RBI walk from David Bodie. There was four walks in the first inning. Uh, and then we saw Chris Bryant hit a three-run homer in the second inning. The Cubs scored eight runs in the second inning. Uh, I'll read you off the uh, scoring plays here. So Chris Bryant hit a three-run homer. Uh, then Kyle Schwarber had an RBI single, followed by a David Bodie RBI double to make it 6 nothing, and a two-run ground rule double from Ian Happ, and then a Johnny Field RBI single. So the Cubs sit at 9 nothing right now. Uh, Chris Bryant is 2-for-2 two two with two runs scored and three RBIs. The Cubs have the bases loaded with one out, and David Bodie's up to bat. So all good news there uh, out of Sloan Park and Mesa. Uh, presently right now, but right now we're going to get into an ad, and then we're going to get uh, going into knowing your enemy about the Washington Nationals. Hello, everyone. My name is Eamon, and I'm one of the hosts at Pinstripe Talk. On Wednesday, March 3rd at 5 o'clock, we will be discussing who will take left field and the possibilities of Clint Fisher maybe taking that job, to the status of the bullpen and how they're going to do this season and also why the Yankees didn't land some of the biggest free agents this offseason. All this and more on this week's episode of Pinstripe Talk. Uh, all right, welcome back into the ninth episode of the Ivy. Uh, here we're going to talk about and dive into topic three, which is our first edition of Know Your Enemy, and today's team that we'll be discussing for the next 15 minutes or so is the Washington Nationals. And, Max, I know that the Nationals... Uh, all the teams in the NL East, you know, losing Bryce Harper, uh, the Phillies getting Bryce Harper, you know, the Mets getting Robinson Cano, just a lot of stuff has happened in the NL East, and the Nationals still have a pretty good roster. Uh, They did add Patrick Corbin, which I know we'll touch on, but uh, what do you think about the Nationals, being that they're being a little bit underrated, in my opinion, a little bit under-talked about in, in that division? Um, I, I think the Nationals are a team to watch out for, um, if they were to reach the playoffs, um, obviously it's going to be tough. Um, the NL is pretty stacked. Um, and like you said, the NL East, I think they're being covered up by other teams. Um, I mean, they've made pretty good offseason moves. Um, they traded for Cal Bearclaw, um, as well as signed Patrick Corbin. Um, Corbin was probably um, top 10 pitcher in the game last season. Um, we'll see if he can do what he did last season in Washington, um, but I, I don't really have any doubts against him. Um, but I think really um, that was a great move by the Nationals. Um, and I think, yeah, like you said, they're being they're being underrated by a lot of people um, due to the offseason moves that the Mets have made, the offseason moves that the Phillies have made, um, and even the Braves a little bit too. Um, maybe not the Braves as much because they really haven't made 
um, any big offseason moves, but I think that um, the Nationals might be able to sneak into the playoffs, um, whether that's in the wild card or even potentially um, winning their division. Um, I think that sounds a little crazy to um, a lot of people, um, just seeing what the Phillies have done this offseason. But I think it's definitely a possibility. What do you think about that, Thomas? Yeah, I mean, okay, so they lost Bryce Harper, but when you look at it, um, I think a lot of people forget that they added Brian Dozier, uh, who, for me, uh, living in Minnesota, going to Twins games, I know the impact that he can have on any game. Uh, He's pretty good defensively, but even at that, with that kind of power, and you add him into the lineup with the likes of Rendon, who I know we've discussed multiple times on this show, uh, being on those lists that, you know, we'd have, like, when we did inside the numbers, he would be, you know, like in those top tens of lists, and people don't really know about him. Um, and if they do, they don't really stack him up with the best when he should be in those talks at their base. And then you get into that lineup. Uh, Trey Turner, I remember, would steal countlessly whenever we played whenever we played the Nationals, and he will continue to against John Lester and honestly against anyone because that's how fast he is. And then, in addition, you have Juan Soto, who, you know, the 19-year-old, he's probably 20 by now, uh, but the phenom that he is, uh, I know he broke so many records when he came up. The whole MLB was, uh, you know, everything in the MLB was Juan Soto for about two weeks. Uh, so they still have him, and then they have Adam Eaton, who's kind of still coming back from that injury, but I think he'll, he's really in for, like, a good year this year. And then Ryan Zimmerman, with his power, I know he's not a consistent uh, you know, get on base guy, but that's a dude that can crank over 20, 25 homers a year, no problem. And then, uh, like you, like you mentioned, Patrick Corbin. I mean, that three-headed monster effect gets in the playoffs, like you mentioned. You know, if you have to say, because usually playoffs are what four? You have four man rotations, so they wouldn't even have to worry about their fifth spot because I know that uh, I believe it's Eric Fetty and. Uh, Eric Fetty and Joe Ross fighting for the fifth spot, so they're not great, but like you said, if you get in the playoffs, you have Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin. Those are all aces on any other team pretty much, and Annabelle Sanchez, who had a good year last year. So, yeah, I, I do think they they uh, are, are primed to have kind of like a sneaky good year. Uh, the one thing I will say is that their bullpen's a little, uh, a little, a little weak at parts. I think Doolittle and Bearclaw are strong, uh, but other than that, I'm not seeing a whole lot. I guess Rosenthal's there, but uh, what do you think about the bullpen? Where do you think this team, this team's shortcomings could be? Um, like you said, I definitely think the bullpen could be um, a big shortcoming. Um, obviously, Sean Doolittle is pretty solid. Um, he was great last year, closing for them. Um, he had a 160 ERA. Um, and only a 135 average versus opponents. Um, a few other guys, too. I think Kyle Barclaw could bounce back. Um, they got him from Miami this offseason. Um, he was a guy that um, I had really liked in 2017, um, a guy that I wanted the Cubs to look into um, and trade for. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. Um, but they also have a few other guys who are underrated. Um, maybe they just had good years, but... Um, I mean, if they can do what they did last year, um, I think this could be a pretty good bullpen, and I think it could bring them into the playoffs. So the few guys that I'm talking about, Justin Miller, 
um, right-handed pitcher. Had a 3.61 ERA, 2.18 average versus opponents. Um, Coda Glover, I've heard of him a few times. Um, Obviously, still not a big name. Uh, 3.31 ERA, 2.17 average versus opponents. Um, Lefty Matt Grace, 2.87 ERA, 2.40 average versus opponents. Um, Right-handed pitcher Wando Suero. I'm not sure how it's pronounced exactly. He had a 3.59 ERA and 2.40 average versus opponents. Um, and lefty Sammy Solis, uh, he had a 6.41 ERA and a 2.77 average. Um, like you said, the bullpen really isn't all that pretty um, past Doolittle. Um, but I mean, I, I guess if they all hit their points, um, I think it could be a a, a decent bullpen for a possibly contending team. Yeah. And also I want to touch on a few other guys. Uh, well, just looking at their depth chart. Um, I do, I did notice that a uh, 21 year old Victor Robles is projected to be their starting center fielder. Now that may change. It might be uh, Michael A. Taylor, which I just slotted in as the backup right now, but uh, this Robles kid, it looks like he was one of their better prospects. Uh, and uh, he's out of Dominican Republic. He's 21 years old. So there's another guy that, you know, we just saw how Juan Soto came up, and uh, if that kid can come up and do the same thing, that and you added guys like Dozier, like I already mentioned, uh, in, into that lineup, and a healthy uh, Adam Eaton, I don't know if they're really going to miss Bryce Harper's uh, production as much as people are thinking, and not to mention – Okay, Bryce Harper can can hit home runs, but uh, Bryce Harper's always been a guy that hasn't really gotten on base a whole lot. I mean, yeah, he could take the walks, but we know he's not consistent with just getting on base. And you add in, you know, guys to help that, that, that you were missing in Dozier. Like I mentioned, he is a power guy, but Dozier can crank doubles like crazy. And they still have Trey Turner, who will always be in the talks for the batting uh, champion, you know, with with batting average. So, I do think it's it's an interesting squad. Um, I do pose a question to you, Max. Though, where do you think the Nationals will end up uh, in the NL East? Um, really, the more I think about it, um, I want to place them high. Um, really, I could see yeah, them that's... any spot one through four. Um, and that's the same with the the Braves, the Mets, um, and the Phillies. I think they can all be placed at. Um, any single one of those spots. Um, for me, I have the I have the Nationals finishing um, third. Um, I think that's. I mean, I re- I wouldn't be surprised at all if they were to finish first or second. Um, but I wouldn't go to have them um anywhere much higher than than second. Really, I don't see them winning that division. Um, with the powerhouse Phillies now. Um. And even the Mets too. Um, they could surprise a few teams, um, or a few people as well. Um, and obviously the Braves won it last year. Um, I, I don't see everything hitting for them. Um, as they lost Annabelle Sanchez. Um, I can't remember. It starts with an. It's like Fulton Nowitzki or something. He was great last year. Fulton um, Fulton yeah, 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 yeah. He was great last year in the starting rotation. Um, but obviously, it's it's hard to repeat that. Um, so really, I don't see um, the Braves doing doing as much as they did last year in that in that division. Yeah, like the more I think about it, I know that we did our predictions a few weeks back, a couple weeks back, and 
I want to say I had the Braves winning the NL East. I know it was kind of like tentative and uh, and whatever. It wasn't finalized. Uh, but the more I think about it, like you said, I want to move Washington up. And honestly, I, I have to disagree with you. I think this team really could win it um, because just because of that rotation, honestly, is what it comes down to me for. And they have enough position players without Bryce Harper that they can fill in production with those other utility guys. Um, just to mention a few guys that really, really under the radar that honestly, if anyone's watching, they might not even know uh, who, who these guys are. But Wilmer Defoe, uh, you know, this dude is a guy that can play utility and he can come in, uh, he can slot in in any position. And, you know, he's just a guy that I, I've, I've always liked watching uh, because of that ability to just play anywhere in the field. And same goes with Howie Kendrick. I know he's not great anymore and all that, but, um, you know, he's just – he's still there, and he's a guy that can get on base. And same with uh, Michael A. Taylor, like I mentioned. He can he can hit for some power, and, and I know that even if Robles starts in center, um, they still have a lot of faith. I know that organization really likes Michael A. Taylor and the prospects of him. But for me, like, Max, could you say that minus the DeGrom and Syndergaard uh, – there, but honestly, I mean, you have Scherzer and Strasburg. Do you think the, the Internationals have the best rotation in the NL East? Oh my, that's hard for me. Um, for me, it's easy. I think they do. I mean, I really like the Nationals' rotation, but I mean, putting them over the Mets is a little hard for me. Um, like you said, Degrom and Syndergaard. Um. Both both great starting pitchers. There's no question about that. Um, I think they're both future. Well, I, I can't say future Cy Youngs because Degrom just won Cy Young, but um, I think Syndergaard is still a future Cy Young. Um, and I mean, I I love. I mean, the Nationals are so underrated. Um, just because um, the moves they've made um have been overlooked by um because of other moves such as Harper to the Phillies. Um, in the trades that the Mets have made. Um, but really, if you look at the Mets rotation, you have DeGrom and Syndergaard at the top, um, Zach Wheeler thir- third. Um, I mean, that dude was so – he was dominant last year. Um, I mean, looking at the stats, uh, he had a 331 ERA, 29 starts, um, 182 innings pitched. Um, I mean, the dude – I mean – that's probably, to me, the the most underrated guy in the MLB, um, or not in the MLB, but pitching wise even. Um, and then you have Steven Motts and Jason Vargas finishing it off. Um, and really for any team, I guess if I mean, if if the Mets and Nationals are both healthy, then I would say that. Um, I mean, to me, I think the Mets have the better rotation. I mean, for me, it's. Like, I just don't see – I mean, like, okay, I don't think Jason Vargas is really, like, anything special. So, if we take out the – if we take both take – Okay, both wait, 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 wait. So, Vargas was injured last year. You know that, right? Yeah. Okay, so Vargas was really good with Kansas City. Um, but then – In 14 – so, in 15 and 16, he was injured. Um, But he was good in – 14, uh, 12, obviously that's like seven years ago, 
But even 2016, uh, he was injured. I mean, but, like, he's not a horrible guy. But, like, looking at the Nationals' fifth spot, I mean, it's just bad. Like, you have Eric Fetty, the dude. I mean, his stats were miserable last year. I don't think he pitched in many games, but they weren't good. So, I mean. Yeah, but the thing, the thing is, though, is that, like, that's the five. So, then when you look at three and four, I'll take Patrick Coleman over Zach Wheeler, at least for me. And then Annabelle Sanchez versus Steven Matz. Um, I would probably give it to Matz, but then again, if Annabelle can pitch like he did in Atlanta, that's so how, how go likely to Annabelle. is that? So then, how likely I mean, is it that he's going to pitch? But how, li- but how likely is Jason Vargas going to come back to what he was seven years ago? I but mean, that's what I'm, sa- I'm saying. If they're healthy, I'm saying if they're healthy, then. But then it's Patrick Corbin versus Zach Wheeler, which you have to take Corbin. Corbin's an eight. Dude, okay, let me tell you Mott's stats real quick. So, Mott's last year, 397 ERA, 154 innings pitched. Um, His FIP wasn't great, 462. Um, His whip was 1.247, right around league average. Um, And who were you – who was going against Mott's in the four spot? Annabelle Sanchez. Annabelle with a 283. Yeah, so Annabelle was really good last year. There's no question about yeah. that. But look at his so years like, before that. So a 6.41 ERA, 5.87 ERA, 4.99. Um, and then, but but you're saying the same thing about Vargas. You can't go back five years, six years ago, and that's when I mean that's when Sanchez really had back, those. If you go back, bro, then you have to look at Zach Wheeler's 2017. What's to say that last year wasn't also? Because if we're okay, if we count Annabelle's as a one-year thing, then Zach Wheeler went from a 5-2-1 to a 3-3-1. Game seven wins, or sorry, nine wins in one season, pitched 182 innings, and had a 1-1-2 whip. So, like, if we're going to just stay there one-year things, then, yeah, okay, take out Wheeler and you take out Annabelle, I'm still sitting there with Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin, right? But so you, I have three aces. But you like essentially – essentially, so last year you had – like you were saying, maybe Wheeler's just a one-year wonder, but he was also great in four, 13 and 14. For some reason, doesn't show any stats for 15 or 16. He must. I think he. I think he had Tommy John actually, if he I did. remember correctly. Yeah. So, so I mean, maybe, but maybe he's back. finally settling in. Like maybe, like he's finally like hitting where he needs to be. I mean, obviously, we won't see if he is next year, Annabelle but Sanchez. Then? Annabelle Sanchez is 34 years old. And okay, he's had these good years. He's yeah, had, but Sanchez has already went through – he's already went through the know, prime years of his career. I know, but, but like, he still has these years. 2006, 283, 2013, 257, 2018, 283, 2014, 343. Like, these are not bad numbers. Like, and it's happened now three times where he's had a sub-three ERA, right? So – you add him to, okay, we're not gonna, we're not gonna even discuss either team's top two, but then Patrick Corbin at three just kind of, I don't know, Patrick Corbin at three, for me, when you stack that up against a guy like Wheeler, that if we're gonna say Annabelle was a one-year thing, then I, I don't know. 
I guess we can agree to disagree. I just think they're yeah. – I do think that the Nationals – in the end, it, this just proves, though, that um, the Nationals definitely uh, are a team uh, that it, I would not be shocked if – I wouldn't be shocked if the Nationals won the World Series. Okay. I mean, we can t- agree to disagree then. All right. So now I believe we're not going to be going to the ad. Correct, Max? I'm not yeah, correct. Sure exactly. Okay, so are we just moving right into Derek Lee or the call? No, we have a call from um, Noah from Seattle. He wants to talk about the Harper comments on Bryant. All right. Can you hear us, the caller? Yeah, what's up? All right, what's the question? Um, what, so uh, you two are Cubs fans. What was your – um? Initial, like the first thing that you thought when you saw that Harper signed that 13-year, $330 million deal, what was the first initial thing, the first thing that popped in your head? Uh, for me, it was I was a little confused because I knew that honestly, I know that last Sunday we said that uh, the Phillies were going to get him, but when I saw the Dodgers news come out, um, I knew that just the way things work with like being around sports for a while, that teams are going to try to come in. And I knew that the Phillies were going to try to go long-term on it. Um, and I, I honestly thought the Dodgers would probably get him just because that's the nature of L.A. And I thought they really would be able to steal him. Uh, so I was kind of incorrect. So at first I was a little shocked. Um, and then once I saw how much he declined from L.A., uh, it, it made sense because that's what he wanted in the long term, but uh, like Max and I touched on before, um, it just seemed odd, like in the press conference and everything. Uh, Obviously, it's a guy that both Max and I aren't going to disagree that we'd love to have if we did get him, Uh, but now that he's he's a competitor, uh, not not like a, you know what I mean, like a rival now, an opponent, Uh, now that he's an opponent, I guess we'll just try to not let him win once in 13 years. What do you think, Max? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, for me, my first reactions, it was a little weird because I saw the 13 years and I was like, like, was that a typo? And then I was like, I started listening to the interview um, with Bryce and it was like talking about how he wanted to like start a foundation or build a, I don't even remember what the exact words were, but like it makes sense. But like the 13 years – um. Like, for the Phillies, I was like, like, what are they doing? But, like, for Bryce, I was like, okay, that's cool. Like, you can go build your legacy in Philly. But, like, probably after half that deal, um, I think we'll start seeing a decline from him because they have him through, like, his age 39 season. So, really, I was, like, surprised. I was expecting, like, 10 years, like, three, just over 300. But, I mean, I guess what – I mean, I guess the Phillies got what they wanted. So, What were you thinking, Noah, when you saw it? I was – I thought it was a little um, – I mean, the year – the length of the contract, 13 years, definitely um, um However, I, I do think – what, average annual value is 25.4, I think. It's what that math checks to. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. thought at the beginning of the offseason he was going to be a – Thirty-five, forty million dollar player. That's what it sounded like. But um, it also, to me, it seemed a little weird because, like you were saying, in that press conference, he seemed 
very uncomfortable. Like, because we know he's been on the spotlight. He won the home run derby. He's been an all star, what, five times? Like six times. So yeah. He did seem, yeah, six times. So he, he did seem very uncomfortable during that press conference. And I mean, I get it, it was with a new team, but it just seemed a little odd to me because this is a guy that's been in the spotlight 24-7, you know, on that Sports Illustrated cover at the age of 16. Uh, and just more on from there. So it was just surprising to me. He seemed really, you know, he blipped up and said the whole D.C., um, bring a championship back yeah. to D.C. That was funny, yeah. but it's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. I Like, and honestly, like, that, like you said with the uh, contract, I think just to answer that question with why it was a little bit lower, um, first off, I don't think the timing helped anyone. I think that as time went on, yeah. teams were just kind of like, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, just kind of like, we're done with you um, and just stop <laughs> talking to us because, you know, we can't – We no one could read what he wanted, you know. And when that happens, no one is getting helped by it being delayed. Um, and then second off, mm-hmm. with the no opt-outs, the no opt-outs was really big because – uh, he's that basically really guaranteed there now. Yeah, like he's there uh, for basically forever uh, for at least four more presidential terms. Uh, so or three more, whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's part of it. I know there was a signing bonus as well. Uh, but Max, do you have any last final thoughts on it? No. Uh, we we appreciate you calling in, Noah. Uh, have a good rest of your day. Sure. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me. All right, so now we're going to get to an ad, and then after that, we're going to have another caller, Kyle from Chicago, who wants to talk about the starting rotation. The Phillies just landed the biggest superstar of the 2019 offseason. Tune in this Tuesday to see what our hosts have to say about Bryce Harper and his new home in Philadelphia. We'll be breaking everything down from the contract to what his acquisition has on the impact of the 2019 playoff hopes and much further. Make sure to tune in. All this and more on FanCast. All right, welcome back into the ninth episode of the Ivy. Uh, we just had Noah on the call. We appreciate uh, for calling in, Noah. And since we only have five minutes left here, uh, we were going to do the Derek Lee segment color of yesteryear, but instead we have another caller uh, from Chicago. Uh, his name is Kyle. Kyle, can you hear us? Yes. All right, how are you doing tonight? Uh, what's your question for us? I'm doing good. Uh, so I did – Tune in late today. I apologize for that. So forgive me if you touched on this earlier, but uh, I heard you guys talking about uh, the, some of the starting rotations, the Nationals, the Mets, how those uh, stacked up against each other. So I was wondering what you guys thought about the Cubs starting rotation and how they stack up against some of these powerhouse uh, starting rotations uh, in the MLB and uh, realistically what do you think the starting rotation for the Cubs can do this year? Yeah, definitely. Uh, thanks for calling in the show. Uh, good question. Um, so, as for me, uh, I think that our rotation uh, is something that is definitely one of the Cubs. Uh, we've known it for a while now. One of the Cubs' strong suits. Um, obviously, uh, with Lester at the top, uh, it's all about, for me, I think the best way to do this, Max, is just, I mean, we have five minutes, so um, I'm just going to go through, like, all five, and then I'll let you go. Is that good? Yeah, go with me. 
All right. So for me, John Lester, uh, it's always been uh, uh, it's always been about consistency at the beginning of games. Um, I've noticed a lot when John uh, doesn't get it going at the beginning, it can really just go all over the place. That's when we see games that are, you know, eight runs in the first or eight runs in two innings, whatever it is. Um, so for John, it's all about getting that groove at the beginning. Um, this year, I think that I, I know we touched on it uh, before in previous podcasts about his fifth numbers and how actually lucky he was last year. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a little bit of a regression uh, because of those luck numbers. But I still think that um, I still think that Lester is, is our number one guy and he will continue to be. And then as for Hamels and Darvish, uh, Darvish is all about health. Uh, Kyle, for me, uh, I think Darvish, we saw it today, two innings, three strikeouts. He got up to 97 miles per hour. I think, you know, the potential there, the upside is a Cy Young candidate. So I loved him. I love what I've seen so far in spring in the first two games. Um, and then Kyle Hendricks, uh, or sorry, Cole Hamels, if he can continue what he did last year from Texas, I'd love that. Kyle Hendricks has always been a model of consistency. Just a mold of consistency, you know, just he goes out there and he never gets bustled, whatever. And then Quintana, I've always enjoyed having because it's our our failures in the last few years have not been because of Quintana's shortcomings. So stacking up against other rotations, obviously I'm not going to put us up there with, you know, like the Mets or something like that, and possibly even the Nationals now with Corbin. But I think the Cubs rotation is a solid top five rotation and, um, kind of a bold prediction is that I think you Darvish really will be a Cy Young candidate, uh, but I'll let Max go. And then Kyle, we'll let you even talk about what you think about the transportation. Yeah. So, um, uh, I, I pretty much have the same as you. Um, I have Lester at one. Um, I think it could definitely change by the end of the year. Um, and I agree with you on the Darvish, um, bold prediction, if you want to call it, um, if he's healthy, I mean, I see him as a Cy Young candidate. Um, and and by the end of the year, he could be in the one spot. He could be in the two spot. Um, so in the second spot, I have Hendricks. Um, obviously, the dude's been great for every year he's been up with the Cubs. Um, I don't think there's really a question of him being um, in the top three or not. Um, I think no matter where he is, he's going to pitch good. Um, then I have Darvish at three. Um, I mean, obviously, we're really hoping that um, – that he's healthy, um, and I mean, if he is, uh, like you said, I think he's a Cy Young candidate. And then I have Hamels at four. Um, I see a little bit of regression from him. Um, obviously, he had a great few months with, with us at the end of the season. Um, I mean, I'm really hoping he can do what he did last season, but we'll see. Um, and finally, Quintana at five. Um, like you said, um, obviously, it's great to have um, a guy like him – out of the five spot, um, a cheap contract and stuff like that. So that's always nice. All right, Kyle, uh, do you have anything? We got to go in about 20, 30 seconds, but, uh, anything to add? Uh, yeah. So I was just going to say that, uh, yeah, it, it all comes down. There's a lot of question marks in the Cubs rotation this year because you brought up, uh, can Darvish stay healthy? Obviously Cole Hamels is getting older, so who knows what to expect from him. And then Lester, as you said, got a little lucky last year, so you don't really know what to expect from him. So I think with everyone healthy, everyone performing well, they can be a top rotation in baseball, but it's just going to be interesting to see how some of those guys perform. 
Yeah, definitely. So with that, Max, and thank you, Kyle, for calling in the show. Uh, that's going to wrap up our ninth episode of the Ivy Podcast here on March 3rd. Uh, we look forward to seeing you guys next week on March 10th for our 10th episode. As spring training keeps rolling along, it's pretty hard to believe, but we're already 10 podcasts in, Max. I hope that we can continue to roll through right up to when games actually count for opening day. Um, and then, obviously, uh, next week, the specific time will be to be determined, but we'll let you know via our Instagrams. Follow us at Cubs Nation 2018 and at Wrigley News. And lastly, as always, go Cubs go. And we hope to have a relaxing rest of your Sunday night. Thanks, guys. Bipolar with the check. I should put some crazy around my neck. The Ivy is produced by Benson Fetcher. The Ivy is a production of the Baseball Podcast Network. Be sure to give our hosts a follow on Instagram, Thomas, at CubsNation2018, and Max, at Wrigley News. For more of the Ivy content, be sure to head over to our website at BaseballPodcastNet.com. And be sure to give the Baseball Podcast Network a follow on all their social media platforms. Instagram, at BaseballPodcastNet. Twitter, at BaseballPodcast1. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network and SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to the Ivy. We'll see you next week.